and Enrique Alvarez Cleary. <laughs> it sounds like we uh like we on path. Yep, we're on a path. On 93.7 the ticket and the ticketfm.com. Good afternoon. Happy Tuesday. This is the happy hour. 93.7 The Ticket. TheTicketFM.com. Nick Sainert and Enrique alvarez Clary are with you today. Hello, Rico. Hello. How's it going? It's going great. I am full. Dude, so... Mary, I'm about to fall asleep. I know. I was I was yawning during the pregame there with uh, Tom and Bach. I was slowly starting to yawn just because now the uh, brisket and sweet potatoes... Have. The collard greens and the beans and the Ooh. cornbread. If I, I almost I, I almost tweeted this out. If I could be locked in a room with sweet potato those those sweet potatoes those sweet potatoes for Mary Ellen's. And, and that brisket, I would I would do it, <laughs> and I would just eat it. I would eat my way out. Look, man, I I went back for seconds, and there was another piece, there was another piece of cornbread left, so I took that, and I think that might have put me over the edge. I took I took some more brisket, some beans. A little bit more collard greens and some some uh, some cornbread, and I think the cornbread might have pushed me over the edge. And I think, yeah. man, it is. Well, my, my belly is full. I am happy, and I am about to pass out on the air. <laughs> well, so you you I was saw you right when I walked in. Um, I walked in at you know about twelve forty twelve forty five ish, and I grabbed McDonald's. I grabbed a couple of McChickens, mm-hmm. and I walked through the door, and I'm like, man. I, uh, I'm not going to eat my McChickens today because <laughs> uh, I smelled everything that was back here. The the brisket was phenomenal. It, it fell, I mean, it just fell apart. It was so so good. So go over to to Mary Ellen's and get yourself some. Um, four zero two four six four five six eight five Honda Lincoln Hotline Starter Heyman text line. Both those open for you all hour long, as well as the Starter Heyman Jewelers video stream, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Um, check it out there. And also, I, I want to point this out because I'm not sure if, if you guys know this. If you go online, if you don't have a Facebook or Twitch or anything, if you go online to our website and then on the uh, in the little bar at the top, it says watch live. So if you don't have a Facebook, Twitter, or excuse me, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch account, um, make sure you head over there and you'll still be able to um, watch us on there. Breezy says, fellas, will we know who the next offensive coordinator is on the rush hour? First of all, we are named the happy hour. What is the rush hour? Who's that? We are we are not the rush hour. And second of all, who knows? Does that mean you're Jackie Chan? I'm Chris Tucker, obviously. That works. It's Rico, I'm Rico, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you about forty five seconds to talk about your Patriots. I don't need forty five seconds. Talk all I need is like I need like fifteen. Um Go great ahead. win. Disgusting weather. Okay. The run game is great. The defense is better. Jay Foreman has to eat hot wings now. When are we doing that? Maybe DP. When are we doing I don't know. that? Hold on. Hey. What now? When? Friday at four o'clock. Great to hear. Does have you talked to Jay? No, I want to let him marinate. <laughs> Good deal. Because I did not know. If I was I was texting I was texting with Jay like very just a couple of texts back and forth last night, and he said the defense was looking soft, and right when he texted me that. Was right after the uh, uh, right after Damian Harris ripped off that long run, and I was like, "So how are you feeling?" And he said he was pissed because the Buffalo wasn't playing well. 
Last time I talked to him, he was actually putting on his old Buffalo uniform. He was going <laughs> to catch a flight and go see if he could help him out. He he sent me a picture of when he was playing in Buffalo, and he says he said the picture. He said it was like. Uh, uh, 10 degrees but with the wind chill it was like negative 30 and I was like you Buffalo boys are built different I, hard I, pass I said this to you Rico who would even want to go watch that game Buffalo. In, in that weather uh, Buffalo fans I, I mean did you see the stadium nobody was leaving Holy cow! Like that, that was, place was full. That's when, for me personally, most of them crosses, are drunk. Though they can't feel anything. It crosses the line to being from just cold and you know rainy to absolutely miserable. Like I went to a Kansas City Chiefs game and mm-hmm. it was it was Chiefs Chargers. Gosh, this was probably five six years ago. And so it you was, were like twelve. I would have been like 13, 12, maybe. Um, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so goodness. anyway. I, I would have been in my teenage years, and it was so bitterly cold that it was not fun. Like, that that's one thing, like, I cannot handle. I hate the cold so much. Mm-hmm. You, you guys will find that out. Um, I, I hate the cold so, so much. It's I horrible. Am, I am also not a fan of the cold. Uh, playing football in the cold, once you warm up, is is not bad, but when you're on the sideline, like, like if you're out there for a long drive and you're on offense or defense, like it's okay because you're warmed up and you're feeling good. But then you go to the sideline and you just have to sit for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It is the what like halftime comes around after you played a half of football. You're feeling good. You're warm. You can't really feel the cold. You go inside and as soon as you come back out, you're like, I hate everything. It's it's every time that like when Dawson Knox caught a ball right in the middle of the field and literally got sandwiched by two two Patriot defenders. Mm-hmm. I was just like, man, his bones just crushed in half there. He can't and, feel and it. He's too cold. In shambles. He's too cold. It, he it's can't just feel it. You, it sounds like I mean the helmet hitting you would be hurt even more. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's catching just, catching the football with cold hands, mm-hmm. and it's a cold football, so Dude, it's like a rock. Hurts. Josh. So Josh bad. Allen was pumping it last night. I would have I would have hated to be a receiver playing with Josh Allen last Josh night. Josh Allen. Every time they were going against the wind, you could just tell how much extra oomph he put behind that. Well, ball. he had to. <laughs> The wind was going across the field at like fifty miles an hour in gusts, so like you could see it on the back shoulder fade to Stephon Diggs. Like he threw it, and it probably would have been a perfect pass, and it mm-hmm. would have been a touchdown. But the wind caught it at just the right time and just pushed it away from Stephon Diggs. It's and wild. I was like, "Ooh, that sucks." And then, like we were saying, the kicks were just going up and just immediately going to the right. And on one side of the field, they weren't even trying to kick. Yeah, that video that you tagged all of us in. Where the, the the ball just literally sat there, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was almost like one of those things on Madden where I don't know if you've ever played like yes. the gauntlet, yes, where the wind is blowing at like seventy five miles an hour. You're just like I'm not to, gonna make this. <laughs> yeah, I don't you know have to aim it so even. far, so far to the side. All right, four zero two four six four five six eight five Honda Lincoln Hotline starter Hammond text line. Feel free to hit us up at tw- on Twitter as well, Nick underscore Sainert, and at Radio Rico AC. Just to give you guys kind of a, a preview of what it's going to look like today, we had an interesting text on the text line yesterday regarding whether or not to keep a coach after 15 mediocre years or if you would rather fire a coach every couple years. And, and by couple, I mean like four or five years, I suppose. Um, so we're going to kind of talk about that. Feldarius Payne entered the transfer portal yesterday afternoon, so we're going to kind of talk about what um, the defense is going to look like next next year. Mm-hmm. Um, as we know right now, obviously they're probably going to have some additions and and things like that from the portal, but we can actually talk a little bit about that. At 2.30 today, Jacob Padilla of Hale Varsity will be stopping by. He'll talk about Nebraska-Michigan tonight. I also want to ask him about Nebraska um, high school basketball because he's been able to check out a little bit there in the first first couple games of the season because 
We're a year removed from Hunter Salas, Frankie, Frankie Fiddler, Chucky Hepburn, that massive class. That you still, a great you still, class of basketball. You, you still have guys like Isaac Trout and, and things like that out in Grand Island, but mm-hmm. it's not the, the Gonzaga already, yeah. recruits and and Wisconsin recruits and things like that. I so, mean, he's going to Virginia. That's still really good. Yeah. We're, so but who who outside of you know Isaac Trout, who's who's like the top three? In, in Nebraska boys I mean, basketball. You, you'd probably throw Jason Green in there from Miller North, who's going to Creighton. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's it's kind of – there's there's like Luke Jungers from Creighton Prep who's impressive. But I'm, that's that's one thing we're going to ask him is is what does the scene look like this season um, with, with those Kyle's guys? William Kyle's going to South Dakota State. That's right. And then and then Pius has the Hostrider brothers who are going to South Dakota State and North Dakota um, State. So we'll – We'll ask him a little bit about that, but mainly Husker basketball stuff coming up in the 2.30 segment, and then um, we'll kind of just finish up our thoughts in the in the final segment there. So, Rico, I, we, we were asked this question yesterday, and this is where I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts, 402-464-5685. We were asked yesterday um, or, or told yesterday that they would rather fire a coach every four to five years rather than stay with a coach for 15 years. And this, the, let me let me kind of... We'll stay with a talk about talk about the coach that you would stay yeah. with for fifteen years. It'd be like a Kirk Ferentz. He he gets eight, nine, maybe ten wins as a coach every now and then. Um, he's not a guy that's going to do wonders at the college football playoff or anything. Um, like like look at Iowa. They're never going to be in Ohio State, but they're going to be that that hard nosed team kind of every single year. That annoying team. Um, and and I think and the reason I kind of brought this up is I think it's easy for people to say that they want eight or nine wins every year right now mm-hmm. because Nebraska's three and nine. And so, like, eight and nine is like, holy smokes. Like, Happer and I were just talking a little bit ago about what about next season and stuff, and I asked him, I was like, would you be happy with seven? And, like, next year, would you be happy with seven? Just next and, year. And he was like, yeah, you know, I, I think, I mean, it'd be, it'd be better. And I said, but would we be, would Nebraska be happy? And I was like, I think, I think next year needs to be eight, Eight or nine. See, and you keep like, okay, okay. You keep saying that, yeah. and I agree with you, but on one hand, you have to realize where you are coming from right now as mm-hmm. a program, yeah. not just you know what was before Scott Frost, but what has been going on with Scott Frost. And yes, the program has been improving from what Mike Riley had this program at, you know, based on what you have heard coming out of the program and what the coaches have said and, but and what other people have said, but not in terms of wins. But with under Scott Frost, in terms of wins, this program has not been succeeding. It hasn't been going in the right direction. So I feel as if if you get to six, seven wins, that would show the improvement on the winning side that you are trying to show with all of the work you're doing behind the scenes, all of the all of the lifting, all of the all of the hard practices and the and the getting back to Nebraska football. So I believe that if you just for next year, if you yeah. get to seven wins, that would be enough improvement for another year. And that that would be the year where if you get to seven wins, it's not enough. Even if you get to seven, even if you get to a bowl game, seven wins is not enough. And maybe how I should have said it is you you can say that's that's better that's improvement and it's not um, where you want to be you can't you don't have to be happy with seven. no you don't year. have to be but you can accept yes. seven wins based on what you have had for the past and four years seven right. wins would be seven wins would be great it's Bingo. not what you want at all that's not what you want you're not settling for seven but getting to seven wins after a three win season is great that's the improvement you want and that could buy you another year to then 
get to nine wins, get to ten, get to get to you know maybe I don't know if eight would even be good enough after that. Keep but, raising you know, expectations. You just keep raising expectations, and if you drop back down to mm-hmm. to not making a bowl game, you know that's that's unacceptable. After you show that you can get to those those higher standards of winning. That, that's a really good point. And Eric in Lincoln says this on the text line, wouldn't you rather keep trying to be Ohio State than just settle for average? And and that's kind of what the point I was going to make is is it's easy for people to say that, oh yeah, I would love eight or nine wins every year right now because Nebraska's sitting at three and nine. But if if everybody wants Nebraska to get back to, to this national relevancy, then the idea of never settle needs mm-hmm. to be there. And, and when you have eight or nine wins every single year, Fans should want to get the fans and the program, the mm-hmm. people inside making all the decisions, should want to keep improving and get to that ten or eleven wins. And I get not wanting to settle for for average, not wanting to settle for eight or nine wins. But if you get back to that eight or nine win plateau and you're doing that for a couple of years, you you can't freak out. You can't all of a sudden you know yeah. go back to well we're only getting eight or nine wins. I guess we can't crack it anymore. No, you need to. You you got to keep pushing, and you have to push the program to get past eight or nine wins because that's what that's what I I know you know people are saying oh they settle for average they settle for this mm-hmm. Kirk Ferentz is getting eight nine wins every season because or and he's staying at Iowa because every couple of seasons he'll throw in eleven and two ten and three ten and two eleven and two twelve and two he throws it in every mm-hmm. couple of seasons but the other thing that goes along with that is they're they're beating teams every once in a while that they're not supposed to beat. They beat Penn State at home at Iowa a couple of years ago, and that was a really good Penn State team. I know everybody's saying they avoid Ohio State. They don't get Ohio State. Yeah, that's true, but they're still getting some of the good teams from the East and in the West. They're mm-hmm. beating all the teams they need to beat. Which, if you want to compare those two programs, those two coaches specifically, that's where Kirk Ferentz has separated himself from like a Scott Frost right now. Is because because you're you're here if you're Scott Frost and saying well I have beaten Purdue once I've beaten Minnesota once and and min- the Minnesota one one was in your first season and and you're sitting there saying and that's been the whole thing that's been my whole rebuttal about all these these close losses against the top programs is those are all great but you can't take away very much from those losses if you go out and lay an egg against Purdue mm-hmm. if you go out and lay a ga- lay an egg against Iowa like. Like that Iowa loss, you were up twenty-one to six. You were up twenty-one to nine with with however many minutes left in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And and to, to be fair, like for me personally, I don't care what you did or or if you only lost to Ohio State by nine at home or whatever the previous week. If you go out and you can't finish a game when you're up twenty-one to nine, mm-hmm. and especially in that one when you're up twenty-one to nine, you know you're you're taking so much solace in the fact that you kept it close against. Oklahoma, you kept yeah. it close against Ohio State. I, I, I'm trying to remember back. Uh, I, I don't know if they led against Oklahoma at all. I don't know. They had the game tied no, no, against Ohio State at one point. I, they might have led maybe like a three to zero or seven to zero, but, but you didn't lead for very long. It, they, they did not. Did they not? Was, yeah. It was Oklahoma scored on a um, their first drive of the game, which there was a there was a questionable pass interference yes. or or a, a no call on an offensive pass interference that that Oklahoma very well could have been called for on like a pick play mm-hmm. um, with with Bob Stoops' son. Yes, I remember And then that. they scored a touchdown, and then Connor Cope came out, drilled a fifty-one yarder. And I was sitting up in the press box that day, like, oh, okay, okay. Connor Cope drilled a fifty-one yarder. Good Cope is here. Here we go. And so, 
Um, it's it's just interesting to see how how everything kind of unfolds there. Yeah. So you know you're taking solace in the fact that you kept it close against Oklahoma and Ohio State. And you never led in those games. Well, you were against Iowa, who was a top 25 team, and you led 21 to nine, and you couldn't finish that game out. So so the close losses to Oklahoma and, and Ohio State. Yeah, maybe you can go back and say, oh look, we kept it close against these two really good top 10 teams. Mm-hmm. But in the end, you also lost to a Purdue. You lost to a Minnesota. You lost to you lost to an Iowa after building a massive lead against them. And that's an interesting way to look at it because it's almost like if you're a Nebraska fan and let us know 402-464-5685 I want to get to quite a few of your texts here because you guys are giving some good thoughts on it but would you rather be in that boat of winning those those games that you're supposed to win consistently and then maybe sneaking a, a win against an Ohio State every now and then or would you rather not you know be be in in unst- on unstable ground against everybody And the reason I say that is, and and here's the thing, Mm -hmm. is because you were on unstable ground this season, and people were were kind of happy with the performances every now and then. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, think about it. Like, like if if you, when I say that out loud, just looking back, just thirty seconds ago, I'm thinking to myself right now, Nick, what did you just say? Because that sounds stupid. That that's even a question. But really, I mean, you're you're going to be able to have an opportunity where you blow out a Northwestern like you did, fifty six to seven. But you come up close against Ohio State. Would you rather have it like that, where you may be able to pull out a couple of the other games against, um, you know, Minnesota, Purdue, things like that? But or would you rather have it you you knock off the Big Ten West lower level opponents every single season, but you don't get those big wins against the Ohio States? Just Bo Pelini. It's interesting. It's Bo Pelini because I seriously think that that's a question that would be that would go both ways. Mm-hmm. And I get the improvement and the keeping everything close, and that's the difference between now and and you know the 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 previous uh, administration, the previous coaching staffs, is that those staffs were getting blown out by the really good teams, and this team, this this mm-hmm. staff, although they haven't won the games against even the lower level competition, they're keeping it close against the the cream of the crop in the Big Ten, and that's that is a fantastic improvement. But right now. It's it's fine if you keep it close against them, but you also have to beat the lower level guys. You have to beat the Northwesterns. You have to beat the Purdue's, the Minnesotas, the 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 Illinois. You cannot lose to Illinois in back to back years. That is that is just not like Purdue and Minnesota have been getting better. Illinois has been getting better, but they're still they they should not be beating a Nebraska team. An intriguing text just came in from Eric. He says Iowa got killed by Wisconsin, Purdue, and Michigan. Nebraska played those three teams way better. Iowa is fine with who they are. Ference wouldn't would be on the Ference would be on the hot seat in Lincoln every year because we wouldn't tolerate it. If that's the case, then why are we tolerating a coach that just went three and nine and is fifteen and twenty nine? Are mm. we are we in that position? Is Nebraska in that position to not tolerate a coach because he didn't achieve success? I, genuine question because I, I'm in the same boat as Eric. Like yes, if from on the outside looking in, there's no way Nebraska should should tolerate what just happened this last season. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot. Let me let me be straight. There are a lot of fr- fans that don't tolerate it, are not tolerating it. But here's the thing. By Eric's text, he says Ference would be on the hot seat in Lincoln every year because they we wouldn't tolerate it. But Nebraska, including the administration, and now the fan base to an extent tolerated and allowed a three and nine coach to return for his fifth season allowed a coach that has not a winning record that has not had a winning record has not achieved a bowl game has not even come close to sniffing the big 10 championship game 
they allowed him to return. And and it was it was almost a a welcome when his contract got readjusted, right? Mhm. And so that's that's exactly what I'm saying is like you guys and and I'm not calling anybody out here, but people are so quick people are so quick to say Oh yeah, there's no way Nebraska would tolerate you know seven eight wins a season, but here we are, and we just tolerated a set a three and nine coach. Let's go to the Honda Lincoln Hotline. We have Russ on the line. Russ, what's on your mind, man? Russ, hello. Hey, hey Russ. Russ, what's up? Hey, not too much. Got a little cold with the way this weather's changing. But Tell me about it. Hanging in there. I think we all need to step back and get off our pedestal and realize. And I'm alive. Oh, did we lose Russ? I don't know. Hold on. So I'm there. Been there for every home game for the last. Once Bo Pelini's been there up in the the new 600 section. And I think we got to get off our pedestal, and I think we have to understand where we're at. And where we're at as a program is we're on the bottom, and we've got to earn where we're going. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to. Not that we have to stay away from expectations. But I think the thing is, I think we got to start baby stepping it and go for five wins, go for six wins, work our way up. And unfortunately, as much as I hate to say this, Iowa is the better program than us right now. And they've beaten us seven years in a row. And we haven't even beat the team that we're supposed to beat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of where we're at. Yeah. I, I, so I think uh, we got to start beating the teams that we're supposed to beat. And once we do that, then we'll have a chance of beating the other teams in the bowl game or in the uh, uh, Big Ten championship if we can ever get there. But I think it's got to be about baby steps, and I think we got to get off our pedestal. As much as I hate to say that, because I'm a diehard, mm-hmm. and just start building this thing up and, and earn everything we get. Thanks, guys. Yep, thanks, Russ. Let's go really quickly to Kevin on line two. Kevin, we got about 30 seconds here. What's on your mind, man? And no Kevin. Kevin is gone. That's all right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Russ made a, made a really, really good point. You got to beat the teams that you are supposed to beat. And, and Cubsker makes a good point on the text line. Florida fired their coach after an SEC championship appearance, and he went 34-15. and 15. Bingo. Like, and, and I'll be honest. I know you guys don't want me talking about my classes, but that's a project that I did in my sports data analytics class just yesterday. Is does does Florida care more about winning than Nebraska does? With the way that this this last season panned out, seems yes. as if they do. Seems like they do. Seems like the the mission and and everybody's making a, a, an apparent at Florida is winning. At Nebraska, not so much. And we it definitely know. is because I mean they're they're coming off of multiple seasons of being in the top thirteen, so it's it's just it's crazy. Yeah, let's take a break. Jacob Padilla of Hill Varsity joins us next on the Happy Hour. Follow Nick and Enrique on Twitter at Nick underscore Sainert and at Radio Rico AC. More of Happy Hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.